You're listening to Elk Point Baptist Church. Subscribe to our podcast to hear every sermon and like us on Facebook by searching Elk Point Baptist Church, located in Elk Point, South Dakota. What if I told you today that everyone in here today had an appointment with Jesus Christ? A time that the Lord uh, had set aside for you as the kids go out to junior church. There they go. So if you're in junior church, kids, head on out. But uh, Jesus Christ has an appointment with every one of us. And in the Gospel of John, chapter number 4, I believe we have a very good example of this. In the Gospel of John, chapter number 4, there's really two people that we're going to focus in on in this passage. The Lord Jesus Christ is one, and the other one is an unnamed woman. But I believe this unnamed woman is really representative of each of us. And in John chapter 4, beginning in verse number 3, the Bible says how that he left Judea and departed again unto or into Galilee. And I love the way this verse is phrased, and he must needs go through Samaria. He must needs go through Samaria. So we're seeing a divine detour here. I want to tell you something quickly about Samaria and about the relationship between the Samaritans and the Jews. There was a staunch hatred between these two ethnic groups. They didn't like one another. They didn't like one another from a religious basis. As a matter of fact, uh, the Jews uh, felt that they were so much better than the Samaritans that if if they were to go, I mean, just, just think about, for instance, if you, were to, uh, if you were going to Omaha or something, how that the most direct way from here would be to go through Sioux City. Uh, but just imagine that you hated that county so much that you would just take the long road highway around it just to avoid going into Sioux City because you felt like Sioux City was so dirty. Well, It was a lot like that with the Jews in Samaria. Literally, they may be going to the other side of Samaria, but rather than cut straight across Samaria, they would actually go around there, adding much more time to their journey. But for them, it was worth it to avoid going into the place where these filthy Samaritans lived. Uh, And there's a lot of reason for that that I won't get in on, but they did not like one another. However, Jesus said, I must needs go through Samaria. I am willing to go to where others will not go. I am willing to go to where the self-respecting priest and the religious people in Judea would not go. Jesus said, he'll go there. And I want to just uh, get ahead of myself right now and say, I'm glad that Jesus Christ is willing to go some places that others will not go. See, oftentimes religion draws a line at the church door, doesn't it? And it says that if you can meet up to our expectations, you are welcome in. But I am so glad that Jesus goes to where we are. I was in a service on Friday, Ryan and I, and, uh, and the song leader did something I thought was pretty cool, just right in the middle of a song, and it may have been you name written down in glory or whatever the song was. And he says, if you remember where you were when you met Christ, the divine appointment I'm preaching about today, he's like, call it out. And, uh, and, and, and I called out, and some of you know what I'm about to say, but I called out, Greasy Corner. Greasy Corner, because that's what they called the part of town that I lived in. And we lived in uh, the part of town called Greasy Corner. There was uh, uh, 
There was professional working women out a lot around that part of town. There was, uh, it wasn't uncommon to see uh, winos. It was just a, not, not a great part of town. But I want you to know something. I heard the gospel at a church, but the night Jesus saved me, I was right in the part of town called Greasy Corner. I was in a little three-room mill house that sat on King Street in Gastonia, North Carolina. And I want you to know something. Jesus came to where I was. Amen. Jesus didn't say, well, I'm not going to come to that place. Amen. I'm glad He came to that place, aren't you? And I'm glad I don't care where you are or where you've been, that Jesus can come where you are. Uh, He's that kind of Savior today. So He made a divine detour. I must needs go through Samaria. I'm going to the place where others don't want to go. See, Uh, religion can't really do a whole lot for people. If you really think about it, religion is normally trying to get people to do something for it. But see, salvation isn't about you doing something for it. Hallelujah. Salvation is meeting and knowing the Lord Jesus Christ and Him literally changing you from the inside out, making a difference. It's Him coming to where you are. So we see there's a divine detour. But I I want to notice, secondly, there's a divine directive. He said, I must needs go through Samaria. Jesus today, Jesus in John 4, He was on a mission. And I want you to know today that Jesus is still on a mission. And it's a mission that He's on, and really today, He's he's on this mission through us as well. But Jesus is on a mission today. You say, what do you mean He's on a mission? Luke chapter 19, verse number 10, the Bible says, For the Son of Man is, to, is come to seek and to save that which was lost. He is on a mission today seeking those that are lost. Mark chapter 2, verse 17, the Bible says, When Jesus heard it, He saith unto them, They that are whole have no need of the physician, but they that are sick. I come not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. (laughs) You know, one of the things that they were critical about the Lord Jesus Christ is how that He was a friend of publicans and sinners. Now, he wasn't there condoning and embracing and sanctifying the sin of the people, but he was there showing love that he might be able to rescue those people from their sin. He loved being around those people that nobody else wanted to be around. He was a friend of publicans and sinners. And folks, if he wasn't a friend of sinners, I'll tell you one thing right now, he wouldn't be a friend of ours. Uh, Because we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. But he's a friend of sinners indeed. But I want to say also, 1 Timothy chapter 1 verse 15, a divine directive. Jesus is on a mission. The Bible says in 1 Timothy 1 15, This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation. That Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And Paul added, of whom I am chief. Jesus came to save sinners. Folks, He's got a divine directive. And I want to say that He's got a determined encounter, number three. Notice what the Bible says here in verse number six. The Bible says, Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied with His journey, sat thus on the well, and it was about the sixth hour. Now in the Jewish 
way of time, the sixth hour would have been about high noon. It would have been about high noon. Jesus walking through Samaria, and I mean, in the heat of the day. And the Bible says, remember, Jesus is God, but He's God in the flesh. He was all man, all God. So as man, He got tired, and He sat on the well. And as He sat there, folks, this is no uh, just accident. Uh, I mean, it, this is a de- d- divine encounter. I mean, and you just got to stop and think for a second. All this attention that's being given, I'm talking about a divine appointment. I'm talking about an appointment that you have with Christ. It must be a pretty important person for Jesus Christ to say, you know what, I've got to go through Samaria. Now, I say this is an appointment because I believe indeed it was. As a matter of fact, I believe Jesus had been looking forward to this appointment for a very long time. Uh, I got a calendar on my phone. Because if I don't put something in my phone, man, I forget about it. And I put stuff on my phone, and anybody says to somebody, well, what do you got planned? What appointments do you have? And I say, look, okay, this is what I've got going on. And uh, I've got these appointments in my phone. Well, I'm telling you, Jesus, he didn't need a phone to have an appointment, but he had an appointment with this lady. He had a divine appointment that I believe he'd been looking forward to for a very, very long time. Now, you may stop and say, this lady must have been very, very important for God Almighty, for the Son of God in the flesh, to say, you know what? There's much work to be done. There's many people to be healed. There's multitudes of people that are clamoring for me. But you know what? I've got an appointment I've got to make. And I'm telling you, he, he left the place where he was at to go to the middle of the desert, to go to the middle of this town, in the middle of Samaria, to meet this woman. She must have been important. And I want to tell you today, she was important. But when I introduce you to the lady, you may think she wasn't very important. She wasn't very important in, in society. She certainly wasn't very important in her religious circles. But I want you to know today, she was very important to the Lord Jesus Christ. And I don't know who, who you are today. I don't care what your background is today. I want to tell you that you are very important to Jesus. Amen. You say, how do you know that? I, I know that because of what the Bible says about the cross. The Lord Jesus Christ loved you so much. He wants to save you so much. He wants to spend eternity with you so much that He would rather die than spend eternity without you. And He went to the cross and shed His life's blood. He took your sin and mine upon Him. He died on the cross, rose again the third day for you. Why? Because you're important. Amen. You matter to Him. You know, you you ever look at anybody who does any appraising? What is it that, that makes the value or makes something valuable? You ever seen things that are valuable and you have no idea why? Anybody ever watch American Pickers? Uh, and uh, my wife, you watch that, Trey? And my, my, Melanie will watch that with me, and it'll just be some old rusty, banged-up sign or piece of metal of some sort, and uh, they'll say, make me an offer, and they'll say, uh, $3,500 bucks for this piece of metal that's been rusting away in your garage for the last 50 years that was your grandpa's. You know what makes... The, somebody says, well, that's not worth, you know... $5,000 or six, whatever they're planning to sell that for. But you know why it is? Something is worth whatever somebody's willing to pay for it. 
That's what something's really worth. What somebody's willing to pay for it is the price of something, the value of something. And I want you to know today, and I want you to just stop and pause and ask yourself a question. What was Jesus willing to pay for you? What was Jesus willing to pay for you? That's how valuable you are. He gave His life's blood. He gave His life. He bore your sin. He was separated from the Father on the cross. Oh, my friend, this was a determined encounter. And now, as we read on, we meet this woman today. The Bible says, again, verse 6, Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied with his journey, sat thus on the well, and it was about the sixth hour. There cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus saith unto her, Give me to drink. Now, uh, I want to think about this woman for a moment. And there's some things that I can, you know, assume about this woman. So let me, allow me to read into the story. You can disagree with me if you want to. But one thing I'm pretty certain about is for this woman, this was a day like any other day. It was a day like any other day. Because the day that you have an appointment with Jesus, it may not be on your calendar, but it's on His. Because as far as this woman was concerned, it was just any other ordinary day. This is a woman who had been broken and disillusioned by sin. Have any of you ever bought the lie of sin? You ever know someone else who has bought the lie of sin? Going against those things which God has clearly instructed, following those things that we think lead to liberty. This woman had done the same thing. She had been broken. She had been disillusioned by sin. She had gone against her religious upbringing, perhaps, and she was no longer welcome at the family church, which would have been a form of worship in Samaria. She was for sure a social outcast without any true friends. This woman was bound by sin and broken by sorrow. Deep within, she had a longing, an unquenchable thirst, She tried to have it filled with sin and it didn't work. We can tell from her conversation in a moment, she was a very religious person. She had a very, she had a religious education. So she had to have some religious upbringing, but she did not find what she was looking for in religion either. So here's this woman. She she had almost lost all hope. But still, somewhere deep inside of herself, she thought to herself, There must be more to life than this. There must be more to life than what I'm living. There's something deep inside that I'm missing. Every morning before the heat of the day, the women of her town, the women of her city, would go to this same well outside of town to draw water. There's no doubt it became a social event. Uh, On a daily basis, the women would get together early in the morning before the heat of the day, get out, get their water for the day. And out they would go. And no doubt they would go out there in groups and so forth. And I imagine it was probably uh, one of the highlights for the ladies. They'd, 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 you know, they'd chat out on the way out there. They'd probably talk about their families, their husbands and their kids and what they had going on. They'd probably gossip a little bit, laugh a little bit, joke a little bit. But that's what would normally go on with the ladies that lived in the town that this woman lived in. But now for this woman, 
That's what they would do every day. This lady would wait for all those women to get back into town. Then she would turn around and head out of town. Now, I'm assuming that because she's coming to this well at high noon in the heat of the day and she's coming out all by herself. Now, the reason this is, is that this woman was one that was a social outcast. She was not one that was welcomed by those around her. But I want you to know something today. When she got there, Jesus was waiting on her. She showed up just in time for her appointment. Now, she had been there many other days, many other times, countless times she had gone there. But this day, Jesus was there. And I want you to know that Jesus has an appointment with you. If you're here today and you don't know Him as Savior, you may just think you're going about life as normal. I even think about people who come to church, and and I wonder how many of you can think back to times when you came to church, and and you thought to yourself, like I did, if you would have asked me the day that I went to church and heard the gospel and the Spirit of God convicted my heart, if you would have asked me, you know, why did you come today? I would have just simply said, well, I came because my, my buddy's grandpa died. I'm coming to the funeral. Why would I not? That's just what I'm doing. See, on my end, it was just any other day. (laughs) But glory to God, let me tell you something. Hallelujah. What I didn't know is that Jesus said, no, that's an appointment. I'm going to meet you there. When you get there, I'm going to meet you there. And I'm telling you, I heard the gospel that day, and the Spirit of God convicted my heart that day. Now, I didn't get saved until a few weeks later at my buddy's house that I was telling you about just a moment ago. But I'm telling you, Jesus was there waiting for this woman. But let's, let's look on here. Jesus said something to her here. He said in verse 7, There cometh the woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus said unto her, Give me to drink. For his disciples were gone away into the city to buy meat. Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, askest drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. You know, there's some cool things about the Lord Jesus Christ. Number one, I'm glad that He's willing to meet us where we are. But it's also a pretty cool thing here. Here's a Jew, and she's trying to start an argument right away. I like this woman. She's got a wit. She's got a a mouth on her, because she don't mind speaking up right away. Uh, And she almost starts confrontational with Jesus right away. I just think she's an amusing person. She seemed to have a real personality. But when she speaks to Jesus, she starts trying to bring in this uh, quote-unquote racial stuff. I say quote-unquote because there's really only one race, the human race. But she tries to bring in this ethnic stuff, this argument. But you know what? Jesus doesn't even do it. But it's cool because what Jesus is willing to do right there is He's willing to drink from her cup. Ain't that cool? He's saying, draw water for me, and I will drink out of the same vessel that a Samaritan drinks out of. You know, I want to say something today. I'm glad that Jesus was willing to drink out of our cup. Amen? I'm glad that Jesus was willing to become a man. That He was willing to be born of a virgin and live a sinless life, but yet go through the the trials and the temptations and the weariness and and, and the pain and all the things that we went through. But he was willing to drink from the lady's cup. But then it goes on to say, in verse 10, he just ignored, he wasn't going to get in on that conversation. Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, 
And who it is that saith unto thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldest ask of him, and he would have given thee living water. The woman saith unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence then hast thou that living water? Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well, and drank thereof himself, and his children, and his cattle? Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. Boy, Jesus goes right to the heart of it. Because He knows at the heart what we really need. He's offering her living water. He's offering her salvation. He's offering her a satisfaction that could not be found in her religious world. He's offering her a satisfaction that could not be found in her sin. He's offering her a satisfaction that, listen, mankind has a spiritual need. And spiritual needs cannot be met by physical means. Only by the Spirit of God. Only by that which the Lord God can do in a person's heart. We cannot fix people's spiritual problems by physical means. But the Lord Jesus said, I have got what you're missing. I know exactly what you're missing. I know exactly that thirst. I I know your longing. Understand, Jesus knew everything about this woman. He's known her as long as she's been alive because He's God in the flesh. And he was looking forward to this day where he could tell her about this living water. There's something you're missing. There's there's an everlasting uh, water, an everlasting salvation that you're missing today. I think it's pretty interesting. As Jesus told her this, verse 15, the Bible saith unto him, or the, the, the woman saith unto him, verse 15, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. Now, the conversation just goes in a different direction all of a sudden. Jesus says, go, call thy husband and come hither. Now, this seems odd. Go, call thy husband and come hither. Now, one thing you've got to understand about the Lord, you look at the conversation, especially the conversations and His interactions with people that were living sinful lives. He was always a gentleman. He was always tender. But I'm telling you, He asked her a question. He says, go call thy husband and, uh, and tell him to come. Well, the woman answered and said unto him in verse 17, Oh, well, I, I have no husband. <laughs> Jesus said unto her, Thou hast well said that I have no husband, for thou hast had five husbands. And he whom thou now hast is not thy husband. And that saidest thou truly. Now, this encounter with this Jewish man, it was pretty strange from the very start. But all of a sudden, things are getting really different. He starts off by talking about this living water, and I believe when he starts talking about that living water that he would give her if she would only ask. I believe right away God's working in her heart, and she's feeling that longing and the Spirit of God working in her heart. Then all of a sudden, the Lord says to her, So, uh, go call your husband. Boy, she gets real uncomfortable. Oh, I, I don't have a husband. 
Yeah, you've been married five times and you are currently living in a, a adulterous or a fornication uh, relationship with this man that you're currently living with. Jesus brought up her sin. Do you know you've got to come to terms with your sin before you can get right with God? You've got to come to terms with your sin before you can get right with God. I mean, listen, again and again, the Lord Jesus Christ preaches repentance. And sin is not your friend, it's your enemy. And the Lord, the Bible says that Jesus come to save us from our sins. He came to save us from our sins. Uh, but So you've got to be willing to turn from your sin. Before you can come to the Lord, you've got to understand and be willing to admit, the Bible says, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Now, you know, for some people, it's hard to admit that they are a sinner. Because what we like to do as human beings is we like to think of people that are worse off than us, that are worse sinners than we are. And as if that makes us being sinners better than them because we think their sin's worse. But the bottom line is we've all sinned. And I'm telling you, that sin puts us on the same footing. And that, is that, that same footing is this, condemned. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. He brings up her sin, but this is something I love about Jesus. He does not bring it up to rub her nose in it. He does not bring it up to beat her over the head with it. He is not bringing it up to try to you know, put her down in any form or fashion. He's bringing it up for one reason. He's bringing it up so it can be pardoned. So that it can be pardoned. He's bringing it up so that it can be forgiven. See, the Bible says, if you try to hide your sin, you will not prosper. But the Bible says, whoso confesseth and forsaketh their sin shall have mercy. If we'll confess and forsake our sins. And that's what the Lord is trying to encourage this woman to do. He brings up her sin, but only so that it can be pardoned. But it's an interesting conversation. Verse 19, the Bible says, The woman saith unto him, Sir, I perceive thou art a prophet. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and you say this that Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. You see what she's doing there? You ever do that? What's that got to do with having husbands? What's that got to do with getting a drink of everlasting water, uh, living water, nothing? You know what she's doing? She's deflecting. She's like, I don't want to deal with this. How often... Is someone confronted with their need for Christ? Remember what the point of this whole thing is? Folks, this is a divine appointment. This is something before the foundation of the world that Jesus had circled on His calendar. And it's the same way when He wants to bring you, when He wants to save your soul. And if you're not saved, I can tell you something today. He wants to save you today. He wants you to become a child of God today. This is a day circled. He wants to save you today. I can promise you that. But when people are confronted with their need for a Savior, it is amazing how often we naturally want to deflect. And we naturally want to say, well, you know, uh, let me tell you about my family religion. I mean, it just makes me think of all the times I've talked to somebody and, and I'll ask them, I'll say, do you know the Lord Jesus Christ is your Savior? Do, do you know that you know Him? Have you accepted the Lord? Have you received Him? Oh, well, you know, I mean, I was, uh, I, I was raised in church, and uh, yeah, I mean, and, uh, you know, and, and they'll start trying to go that way. But I usually try to say, well, that's wonderful. But uh, I want to ask you a question. Have you ever accepted Christ as your Savior? 
Well, I was baptized, wonderful, but that's not my question. Or it'll be something like this. Do you know Christ? The Lord wants to save you today. And they'll say, well, yeah, you know, but, uh, you know, I've always heard that the Bible is, uh, I, I've had this one. You know, you know I, I just tend to believe in science a little more than, than, than faith. I'm like, okay, I say, but, but I don't just stop there. I say, well, uh, what, what do you mean science exactly? And they say, well, well I, I mostly mean evolution. And I say, oh, you mean faith. <laughs> you mean faith. Because if you're talking about macroevolution, buddy, let me tell you something. I, I say, were you there? Was, was uh, Hawking's or any of the other, were, were, or Hawking, were they there? Oh, well, no, 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 but we, we know that, I said, well, I, I said, and furthermore, I said, if you look at the basis of some of the things they're saying, that how the world came into being, I mean, the, you know, you look at the laws of thermodynamics, they... <laughs> You, in order to believe in macroevolution, you've got to violate laws of science in order to believe it. I said, so in essence, you have faith as well. So we're not talking about science and faith here. We're talking about faith and faith. So you have faith. I said, so we're not talking about that. And, 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 and then, I, then I've often asked that question, what do you believe about origins? But what I'm trying to get it back around to is this. Don't allow yourself to get hung up too long on that. Because what somebody's oftentimes trying to do is they're trying to ask you some question about some uh, question they've had about the Bible. And honestly, they may not have even really honestly had that question. They've just heard it before, and they think it's a way to get you off their case. And I'm telling you today, there's, there's sometimes honest questions come up. Don't misunderstand me. But in this situation, I believe she is telling this to the Lord Jesus Christ, trying to get Jesus off her case. So don't spend too much time on that, because you know what I've said? I've had people ask me, well, you know what, I just don't understand, and they'll start listing all these things in the Bible they don't understand. And you know what I'll say? I won't say, okay, well, I'm going to go study one of those and get them back to you in detail. I will say, you know what, I'll study that, and we can talk about that next time. But can we get back to this? Do you know Christ as your Savior? Have you accepted Him? Do you, believe that, do you understand that Jesus died on the cross for your sin? I mean, and thankfully, that's what Jesus does with this woman, in a sense. Notice this. He just totally disregards. He, he answers the deflection quickly and then gets right back to where it really needs to be. Verse 21, Jesus saith unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when ye shall neither worship in this mountain nor at Jerusalem. Or at Jerusalem worship the Father. Ye worship, you know not what, for, the, for ye worship, for we know what we worship. For salvation is of the Jews. But the hour cometh, and now is, when the true worshipers of the Father worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship Him. He quickly answers her question, but He directs her to what really matters. God is a spirit, and they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. What He's simply saying is this. We're not going to debate our worship right now. What I just simply want you to know, it's not about your worship. It's about who you know. It's not about what you know. It's not about what you do. It's about if you know God. God is a spirit and you can know Him. You can know Him in your spirit. Now, the Spirit of God continues to work on this woman's heart. And she says in verse 25, The woman saith unto him, I know that Messiah cometh, which is called Christ. When He is come, He will tell us all things. Now, she's getting warmer, isn't she? What's beginning to happen? 
She's beginning to realize that she is talking to Jesus Christ the Lord. And Jesus confirms it in verse 26. And He says, I that speak unto thee am He. Now I I love this simple faith right here, folks. This simple faith. Notice what it says. Look down to verse number 28. The Bible says, The woman then left her water pot and went her way into the city and saith to the men, Come see a man which told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? Folks, her faith was just that simple. She believed on the Lord. She obviously turned from her sin. She turned to Christ. And folks, she listens. You remember what happened? She came to the well for water, but she left. Instead of leaving with the bucket of water, she left with the well. Amen? Because Jesus said, if you believe on me, there's going to be a well uh, springing up living water on the inside of you. And that's exactly what happens. She left her water pot there. She never did draw from the well. Now, I understand that there's no doubt that she came back, got that water pot, and filled it with water and took it back for practical purposes. But for a spiritual application today, I'll say this. She left her water pot because she didn't need a pot of water. She now had the living water. And I'm glad that when we come to Christ, we no longer have to draw out of those old wells that we used to draw out of. We can draw from Christ, amen? Because what we find is that when you try to drink from the things of this world, whether it's religion, whether it's sin, whether it's, uh, you know, whatever it may be, uh, your confidence in your own uh, intellect, whatever it is, but when you drink from those things, you come up thirsty again. But when you know Christ, you don't need the water pot anymore. Folks, you're able to leave it. She left the water pot. She didn't need to draw from the wells of the world anymore. And I just want to ask you today, have you had this divine appointment with the Lord Jesus Christ? What I'm simply trying to ask you is this. Have you accepted Christ as your Savior? Do you know Him today? If you don't, I'd love to introduce you. I don't want to argue with you about religion. Now I would love to answer your questions. I really would. I'd, I'd love to talk with you. But what I'm simply trying to say is don't just ask questions for the, sort, for the reason of deflecting. You answer that question first. Do you know Christ? Let's all stand, please. Barb, would you come? Do you know the Lord today? I know, I know many of you do know the Lord. Aren't you glad for that day that you met Him? May we, like that woman, go and to all those that would listen and say, come see a man. May we, like that woman, go and try to invite as many people as we can to Jesus. If you don't know Him today, He knows you. And He loves you. He knows every wrong you've ever done. I want to tell you this. He knows everything you've ever even said about Him that's negative. You want to know something though? He loves you anyway. He'll forgive you. Would you trust Him today? Let's bow for a moment of prayer. Father, I thank You so much that You have a divine appointment for each of us today. And I pray, dear God, that if there's anybody, dear Lord, that maybe this is their day. Today is their appointment. Lord, I pray, God, that you'd help them right now to humble themselves.
to come to you to ask for you to forgive them of their sins and ask you, dear Lord, to come into their life and be their Savior. Is there anyone like that today? Maybe with every head bowed, every eye closed, you say, you know what? I do believe I need to be saved. I, 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 need, I want Jesus to be my Savior. If there's anybody here who says, I want Jesus to be my Savior, would you just lift up your hand quickly and just put it back down just so I can pray for you? I'm the only one looking around at the moment. Anybody just says, pray for me, preacher. Thank you so much. Maybe you're here today and you've, and you've been drinking from those wells of water. Hey, how about sharing it with somebody else? Amen. How about sharing it with someone else? Lord, we love you today. We thank you for that living water. I thank you for the day that I met you. I thank you that you've satisfied my thirst. I thank you for your faithfulness today, dear Lord. Thank you for all that you've done, all you're going to do in Jesus' name. Amen. While everybody remains standing, we're going to do one more thing before we dismiss today. Continue to play. You can play something not invitational. We're going to uh, we got something. We got a really nice surprise for you today. And at this time, I'm going to ask Steve and Kate, as well as uh, Chad and Jen, to come forward. Steve and Kate are yesterday celebrated 50 years of marriage. Isn't that wonderful? Let's give them a hand for that. Why don't we? Amen. And what they've asked to do today is to renew their wedding vows. So you may be seated at this time. Amen. Thank you, Barb. Steve and Kate, marriage is a sacred relationship ordained of God, who in the beginning, having created man in his own image, realized that it was not good for man to be alone. So the Lord caused a deep sleep to come upon Adam and taking one of his ribs, he created Eve. Having created woman, he brought her unto man and gave her unto him. Then in the Garden of Eden, the Lord performed the first marriage ceremony when he said, Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and cleave unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. This beautiful couple has been one flesh for 50 years now. Isn't that amazing? The sacredness of marriage can also be seen in the fact that Jesus attended a wedding at Cana of Galilee, and He chose this occasion to perform His very first miracle. The Apostle Paul helps us to see the sacredness of marriage by comparing the relationship between the husband and wife to that of Christ and His church. Steve, he says to husbands, Love your wives even as Christ loved the church and gave Himself for it. There is no greater love than this in all the world. Jesus demonstrated this love when He died on, uh, died on the cross for us. This is the way that the Bible says you are to continue to love your dear wife, Kate. And Kate, He says to wives, Wives, submit unto your own husbands as unto the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. Kate, this means you are to continue to walk by Steve's side. You are to encourage him and support him and help him in every way. On this, your 50th wedding anniversary, I'm going to ask you to take a vow, recommit a vow that's made not only in the presence of family and friends, but also in the presence of God. Today I ask you, Steve, do you promise before God and these witnesses to love Kate, to comfort her, honor and keep her, 
in sickness and in health, and forsaking all others, keep thee only unto her so long as you both shall live. Do you so promise? I do. And Kate, do you promise before God and these witnesses to love Steve, to comfort him, honor and keep him in sickness and in health, and forsaking all others, keep thee only unto him so long as you both shall live? Kate, do you so promise? I do. 25 years ago, they renewed their vows on their 25th anniversary. Steve had a nice surprise for Kate, and it was a brand new ring. And today, Kate has a ring to be able to put on Steve's hand. I'm going to ask her to go ahead and put that on his hand this morning. And in a moment, we're going to ask just the blessing on this ring as well as this marriage. Steve and Kate, I want to congratulate you on 50 years of marriage and ask God to give you many more years together. And we'll repeat the thing that God said so many years ago, Whatsoever God hath joined together, let not the hand of man put asunder. Today we see a victory that the devil does not like. He's after destroying homes. And I think Steve and Kate would tell me amen that 50 years it's not always been easy. But here they stand, and it's a testimony to the grace of God. And I want each couple, and I want every person that's not married, to be able to look at this as a testimony of what God can do. When it gets hard in your marriage, I don't want you to think that it was easy in theirs for them to get to this point. It's by the grace of God. And so we say, what God has joined together, let not man put asunder. And so now we're going to bow in prayer, and we're going to ask the blessing of the Lord on Steve and Kate in their continued life together as husband and wife. Let's pray. Father, we bow before you today with thankful hearts. We thank you for creating marriage. We thank you, God, for Steve and Kate, Lord, honoring you with this marriage. And I thank you, dear Lord God, for their commitment. Love is not a feeling. It's a commitment. It's a decision. And I thank you for that decision that they've made together now for the last 50 years. And I pray that you'll bless them. God, and that, as that ring that goes on Steve's finger today, God, as that reminder again of the eternality of their marriage uh, and their vows to one another, God, I just pray that you'll bless it as well. I pray that their best years will be yet ahead of them, dear God. So bless them, God, in this marriage. We thank you in Jesus' name. Steve, you may now kiss your wife. <laughs> Let's stand and give them a hand. Amen. Mm -hmm.